call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 66 of Call It Friend of the podcast where two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host, Donica Tiernan, watched the 1998 cult comedy Dirty Work and the 2001 Martin Lawrence vehicle Black Knight. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the films right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Call a Friend or Podcast. Drop us a line there if any feedback or recommendations. But for now, cast your mind back to a better time. It's 1998. All right, we're live. We are live. I'm going to come just right out and ask, what did mm-hmm. you think of Dirty Work? Uh, I was kind of surprised that I'd never seen it before. Seems yeah. it's been out since 1998. It's well, quite they a long did, time. They did try to bury it. In your defense. In my defense. Is that is that why they did it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just to, to pr- defend just to pr- my honor. Just to protect you. Yeah, exactly. No, d- well, they um, didn't do a good enough job. No, they didn't. It escaped it. eventually. It's barely a film. I think we can agree that, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it is like the barest minimum of what could constitute a motion picture. Dirty work is... As emblematic, for good and for bad, a vehicle for Norm MacDonald as anybody could have hoped for. It's like hilarious, but the general would-be source of hilarity, like the gags, they kind of grind uncomfortably against what (laughs) one could only assume was like a studio-approved structuring, you know? There had to be a love interest and vacuous music transitions (laughs) and shit like this. What are you talking about, vacuous music transitions? We had uh, Chumbawamba. Jumper Wumba is uh, in there, yes. We had, uh, what's that? That, that Yeah, just when he goes to his girlfriend's flat, yeah. Third Eye Blind or whatever they're called, yeah. That's, I mean, it's 90s, 90s. Yeah. There's so many things in this that are 90s. Like, at one point, Norm is wearing a, oh, a, yeah. an al- almost knee-length blue t-shirt with but a it's shirt the whole, over the top. Yeah, the whole way with that. Yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. like 38. Yeah. Um, Mad. I mean, had this film been produced a decade later, there's every reason to believe it would now be considered a classic rather than a cult classic. Like, um, that, oh, it's a pretty bittersweet title, but it's what it is. Uh, but it's, I suppose it's fitting enough because I suppose Norm himself kind of died a cult classic a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But like um, 10 years on from this, on from Dirty Work, the film industry was kind of like following on from the massive successes of Dodgeball and Anchorman. They were kind of more fully embracing the sort of, I'll say it, like the British comedy sensibility that there didn't need to be a love interest. And if there was a love interest, she could be seduced by like a fucking jazz flute solo in a seafood restaurant rather than some schmaltzy, shitty dialogue that jars with the rest of the film. Get an actual funny actress. My point is, is like they started to follow along on, yeah, I would say it would be a British comedy sensibility, the likes of Monty Python or even Whoops Apocalypse or The Bottom Guys, that literally everything could be ridiculous. You know what I mean? And Dirty Work does well enough um, to get most of the way there to completely ridiculous with like savage guest spots with the likes of Jack Warner and Chevy Chase, Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, Gary Coleman, John Goodman, bizarrely. And, uh, what you talking about, Donica? And but still, occasionally it's all ruined by Trailer Howard, um, who, in her defense, has a fucking thankless job in this film. Um, but yeah, 
that's I but I, like yeah, it is. It's barely a film. It's patched together around bits of Norm stand up and uh, opportunities for great comedy performers to do their thing. Norm was a bad actor, and I think he would have been the first person to say that. I think oh, he hell said yeah. that multiple times. Like, I'm not a good actor. Like Hollywood, uh, he was one of those people who said, "You come to Hollywood, you 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 know, you're a stand up comedian. You do comedy. You do comedy well. You get to Hollywood, and they want to like put you in films, and you're now you're like a bad actor." Yeah, he, and he um, obviously he didn't do too many. I mean, he was in a couple of Adam Sandler things when uh, he um put on a pile of weight with what people now know was probably cancer drugs uh, at the start of um, when he was doing normal. That's probably what gave him cancer. All those cancer drugs. All those cancer drugs, yes. Mm, Um, He should have. At the start of his his podcast, Norm MacDonald Live, he would say to people, yeah, I've gained an awful lot of weight. I've ga- I, I'm, I, I gained it for a movie. Not any movie per- in particular. I just figured they always need a big fat guy, you know? Uh, but it <laughs> turns out they don't, or they have fat guys who are much more experienced at acting than I am. <laughs> There's something very charming about the way that he, you know, he's such a bad actor, but he kind of leans into it in the scenes. And it, it's just him. He's just, it's just his voice 100%. It's like his stand-up, everything. So it's still really funny. Oh, it's like he's making it, fun of but, the film. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I, that works. I mean, like 24 years later, it's still funny. How many comedies like that are still funny that, like this long? After? Yeah, I mean, the, here's the thing. It's like the, oh, the yeah, like I said, the little music cues and the love story do make me cringe a little bit still. But, <laughs> but still, the gags largely make me laugh still, you know? I, a lot, I would say. I saw actually the Wikipedia article for this film in recent years has been altered to state that it's based on a Roald Dahl short story called Vengeance is Mine Limited, which smacks a little of a lawsuit, but who cares? It kind of, it feels appropriate, I would say, like for a man of his talent and general worth, the late Norm MacDonald, a, a great friend of the show, did mm-hmm. um, resolutely fuck all in his career that someone else didn't think up for him first of all you know he treated mostly everything as opportunities to kind of show up and be himself and in like dirty work features an array of bits that are tailor-made to suit much of the material and persona he constructed around himself on snl uh plus it was a good opportunity for him to get like some of his favorite comedy performers together in the one place it was my first introduction to norm macdonald actually i'm sure you know is my favorite comedian maybe even person in entertainment ever and as such it does have a very special place in my heart but it's and it, you know what it's nowhere near as bad as the reviews it got but uh likely neither is it as good as simply watching 90 minutes of norm on talk shows I'm not really as well versed in Norm Macdonald. You're like a super fan, but as far as I'm concerned, the more I learn about that guy, the more I don't care for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, like I, Norm is obviously he was great, but mm. a lot of his work passed me by. Like I never watched his interview show or his podcasty type thing. Obviously, I haven't really seen much of what he did on SNL. Did you ever watch um sports show with Norm Macdonald? Never. I mean, that's all on YouTube. I really, really, really recommend it. Um, it's probably, I don't know, it was just like almost the sort of best vehicle that anybody quite came up with to contain him, to contain him because he's, he loves sports and, you know, it's got great jokes. He had a good writing team on it as well. Kevin Brennan was on the writing team for that. Mm. Kevin Brennan, I've actually heard him tell a story to Colin Quinn. 
But when they were working on that together and um, Kevin would be dropping Norm home because he doesn't drive. And, um, <laughs> yeah. I remember and, this, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he would go to him, uh, hey, you want to come up and uh, see the apartment? And I'm like, and Kevin, this is Kevin Brennan. <laughs> like, and I'm like, no, because I know if I do, he says I'm queer. <laughs> so I, I, like, eventually I come up. Next day we go into work. Norm is like, uh, hey, I... Brennan's <laughs> dropping me off last night. He says, can I come up? I said, this guy's a fruit, no? <laughs> so much, yeah, yeah. First of all, I just want to say, Kevin Brennan is probably my closest Facebook friend. He's definitely nice. in the top five. <laughs> but then also, it's funny how much of this film, actually both films have, there's there are multiple sequences where the joke is that someone's gay. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. <laughs> I love him. I love the jokes. <laughs> you definitely, can, you definitely couldn't do those anymore. Uh, what, what would you say your favorite gay joke in Dirty Work is? I mean, it's not exactly. Well, I guess it's it's not exactly that per se. But they're the the, the part early on where they're talking about the dog, the dog that like terrorized them. So they got this oh, yeah. other. <laughs> so they got this gay dog to rape the dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on there's a scene where they're they're uh they're working in the cinema and then they change the film from Men in Black. That's to, my favorite. What's it what's the the title? Men in Black, Black who like who, having, who like to who, who like to have sex like, with each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they turn around and cover their eyes. Yes, and Artie Lang looks for a second in the most childish way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Norm goes, "Note to self, Sam just <laughs> looked at the screen." It's very good, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of that, and then also Norm getting raped when they're when they're in lockup. Yeah, that's my that's the best gag in the film. That that's <laughs> not wanting to talk about it. That's the the just the delivery of that. I like because I remember. Okay, so I would have seen this just come on TV in the middle of the day when I was in university, and it's just it was like I just thought it was just in the another, middle of the day. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was just another sort of a shitty a shitty comedy. And I remember specifically that scene coming on and thinking, this is fucking bizarre. Like, because it starts out, like, when he whispers to Sam, is like, uh, you, you don't know what prisons are famous for? You don't know? <laughs> and he whispers it to him and he goes, I never heard of that. And I'm there watching it going, this isn't about prison rape, is it? There's no way this is about <laughs> prison rape. And then Norm's reaction to being raped in prison is just... <laughs> <you've>, <laughs> the, the first line is... <laughs> You do have a lot of growing up to do, I'll tell you that. Ridiculous. <laughs> Completely ridiculous. I have a good mind to go to the warden about this. <laughs> oh, God, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I actually, but, uh, I I did find that this film, like, kind of made me sad a little bit. That Norm so is many gone. People, but, like not, uh, like, not just Norm. There's quite a lot of dead cast members. You know, Chris sometimes Farley. we... Well, yeah, uh, this was Chris... I mean, Chris Farley looked awful here. He died even before this came out. So, I mean, he was like, oh, he was at the very end and he looked rough. He looked really bad, even minus his nose. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but just like, we've watched stuff from the 70s that's got more living cast members. And Artie Lang stumbles on. Yeah, yeah, Artie Lang refuses to die, but it's just, it's like a whole generation of people who <laughs> didn't take care of themselves pretty well, very well. And well, Ch yeah. I mean, Chevy Chase is still alive, in fairness. He is, yeah. <laughs> Rickles is dead. Jack Warden's dead. Those ones make sense because they're older, older guys. But still, like, there's a lot of dead people here. Yeah, Farley is. I mean, he's on 
good Farley form despite looking quite rough. He's just doing the Farley thing quite well. I guess, but it just made, again, it just sort of made me sad of knowing like what was coming. He's been dead 25 years. It's just like, wow, it's pretty yeah. rough. It's hard I, go. I mean, I, I'm uh, like pretty much anything I have to say about, sta- about, um, cast is just you know stories that i've heard accumulated over the years i didn't have i didn't have to do a whole lot of research for this kind of but um yeah like particularly with somebody like like chris farley um have you did you watch um probably not uh adam sandler's special fresh f- 100% no. fresh well i really 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 highly recommend it it's part of it, a tribute to farley yeah there's a tribute song at the end um mm. to chris farley that would like bring a tear to your eye almost but um it just, like it just kind of gets to the depths of you know he was uh, you know a huge big hearted performer but also quite a sensitive individual. That's what killed him. And uh, well, he's also a yeah, big hearted, yeah. But also, I mean, yeah, just a, an absolute hound for the booze and drugs. You know, just always essentially running away from something. Quite sad. Yeah, but that uh, we've we've met multiple people like that doing stand up ourselves. I'm sure. I know I have. I've met tons of people. Yeah, yeah. They're chasing that thing. Uh, you know, they're haunted by trauma. And well, so they're dr- drinking and drugging themselves to death. But Farley wasn't a stand up, just to. I know, but he yeah, was yeah. close enough. I mean, yeah, yeah. He was a performer. Yeah, yeah. Second City and all that. But everybody would say, like, like Norm MacDonald would say that Farley was the funniest person he ever met. Um, I do enjoy him squatting and then, like, pulling up his trousers, holding onto his belt. The way that he does from that SNL sketch, you know, like you'll be yeah, living yeah. in a van, van down, down by, by the, the river. river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where he does the table fall as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We in general, or did you have you ever seen him when he like uh, I don't know he arrived? There's a I think it's on David Letter. Veronica Vaughn. When he's a real piece of ass. <laughs> I know from experience, if if you know what I mean. Have you Wait, ever? Then. No, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know that's. Oh, you don't know what I'm referencing? Uh, no, no, no. It's not a sketch. It's from. Uh, it's from one of the Adam Sandler films. Have you ever se- which Adam Sandler film? Uh, Billy Madison. Have you ever He's, seen? Yeah, uh, Farley's the bus driver. Have you ever seen the sketch where um, it's the like something brothers lawn mowing service? No, and um, it's just Farley and Sandler. It's that like. At the time, people hated this cast, but like the stuff that they were doing, if you look back at some of the sketches, like Mr. Belvedere's Fan Club is another one that's just really bananas. It's just crazy. Uh, this one, no, it's a house sitting, a, 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 <laughs> two brothers, and they're kind of house sitters, right? And uh, Adam Sandler is just kind of an idiot, and Farley is just Farley. And Adam Sandler is just there going, let, let me come to your house, let me come to your house, let me come to your house, okay? And then Farley will go, <laughs> let the boy come to your house, for God's <laughs> sakes. And that's just it. And it's like, by the end of it, it's a bizarre premise. Um, but by the end of it, I'm always laughing. I've seen that one a lot. I'll go back to it, like, frequently. That sounds good. I'll have to check N- it out. None of these boys, uh, well, uh, uh, as you would say, we'll put it in the show notes. We will put it in the show notes. Well, we'll see. hey, listen, I'm not making those type of promises. Uh, <laughs> well, let's just make a point to say, look up the house sitter sketch from SNL. Yes, indeed. Look up that sketch. So, did you enjoy it generally? Dirty work. Yeah, made you yeah, laugh? yeah. I, I mean, it's it's eighty two minutes long. That's with credits included. So you're talking like about seventy five <laughs> minutes or something. It's so short, but I did. I found it did drag a little at the start, <laughs> bizarrely. Really? 
Yeah, just just a little. I, I, there's something of the '90s aspects. Like, there's a lot of good gags throughout, but like you said, there's times where it gets dragged down a little bit by having the romance plot. Or, I, again, it's one of those things that allegedly was written R-rated, and then studio pressure cut it down to PG-13. Yeah, that's right. I heard about that, and uh, they shot all the R-rated stuff as well. Something about uh, Norman Arty putting donuts around their knobs and around their willies. Yeah, eat them. Yeah. Something like that. Sounds great to me. sound classic. And apparently Chevy Chase was like a huge fan of the script and was kind of telling them like, hey, make sure no one messes with your work, your dirty work. I mean, we'll get to Chevy Chase, but um, God, what a just, what a funny guy. Generally. He he gets, I mean, obviously he's got like a bad rep for some of the stuff that he's done over the years in terms of how he's acted and how he's working with other people. But like... Always I think it was funny. on one of on on one of the roasts. I remember, I can't remember who it was, but someone was saying like he's he's not a funny person. And I, whenever I watch him in anything, like I think he's, I genuinely think he's great. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I think he's he's like his his physical comedy's great. He's oh, just I, got a, fu- a funny way of saying things. If you ever, if like uh, he did a uh, he was a guest on Norm's weird Netflix show. Norm Macdonald has a show. And Chevy, it's not great, to be honest. It, it doesn't have the same, like the the podcast uh, that Norm Macdonald Live had such a punk ethos to it. It was just crazy. It really, really just allowed him to be loose. <laughs> but that's where, like, you know, that's where I got, first of all, the idea to uh, subtly imply people were Holocaust deniers, which I still do to this day. But mm. um, no, the, like the, the Netflix show was much more cut down and a lot of them didn't work. But the Chevy Chase one really works. And it's just because Chevy is like super, super funny. I don't know how to get into it further than that but just to argue against whoever the fuck said that on a roast no Chevy Chase is naturally funny it's all of you fucking losers who aren't like (laughs) and like that's the thing is like if you look at okay so he got and I was a big fan of the show Community although I never watched it after Chevy wasn't in it but like Uh, season uh, the one there was like a couple of seasons after Harmon came back there were, there were some really solid episodes in there. But yeah, I mean, Chevy Chase was really good on the show. So obviously good. Obviously, him, him versus Dan Harmon turned into the whole thing, but neither of them came out of it very well. No. To be fair, they were both sort of big, big babies. And they both like, came out look at, like just outcast a little bit more so mm-hmm. than they already were. Although I will say Dan Harmon's now a great Instagram follow if you just want to watch him oh, really? do, doing DIY. Yeah. But yeah, Chevy is just, Naturally hilarious, as is, uh, I suppose, uh, Trailer Howard. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> she certainly, uh, she certainly holds her own. Yeah, uh, uh, in the in the being in a film stakes. So I'll uh, ha- she's fine. I, I she's one of those faces that I was like, ah, yeah, she looks exactly like a nineteen ninety eight love interest. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I'd expect her to look like. I mean, she was on Monk. Oh well, okay, good. Well, well done for her. So yeah, I mean, she's friends. She might be friends with Monk. Yeah, yeah. She's. She I wonder if she ever, ever talks to him and calls him Monk. Like, I mean, just randomly now, just calls him up and is like, "All right, Monk." That's his name, him. isn't it? His name is Monk. Or <laughs> she calls him Tony, and he says, "What?" And she goes, <laughs> "I'm sorry, Monk." Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Uh, I'm gonna talk about the cast, I suppose. Because what else is there to about talk about? People. Norm Macdonald. Had a farm. <gasps> oh, my God. Norm Macdonald was born in Quebec to two teachers. His mom outlived him, which is sad. 
Uh, she seemed like a nice lady. He used to do the occasional online video with her just hanging around his house. She would make him tomato sandwiches. I believe they live together or very close to one another in Los Angeles. Uh, Norm cut his teeth doing stand-up in Canada and later New York, where he was picked up by Roseanne Barr to work on her eponymous uh, sitcom as a writer, which he then quit to work on SNL, where he worked for years as the Weekend Update anchor, uh, where he wrote... He kind of better established what the format of that position of the show is just by making it jokes, 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 all current affairs About jokes. About O.J. Simpson. Yeah, that's what I was about to get to. Well, I mean, he had <laughs> some specialist subjects on there, uh, one, of, one of which was uh, he would often make um, a non-sequitur punchline out of uh, Sylvester Stallone's brother, Frank Stallone. Have you ever seen any of that stuff? No. <laughs> well, he'll just, uh, just like... Uh, but to be honest, I don't care for that. No, after Frank Stallone, no. <laughs> it would always just be something like that, uh, like a, a downhill speed ski record has been set once again on the slopes of Mount Everest. Uh, and uh, who is the famous skier? That's r- you've guessed it, folks. That's right, Frank Stallone. Uh, just all all kind of shit like that. All also famous for his Michael Jackson jokes and a uh, mm. few different uh, Madonna jokes, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> which once again goes to prove my point, Madonna's a whore. I can't believe that like they used to say things like that on SNL. I mean, to be fair, even for 1998, Norm was fucking crazy. Well, no? he did get fired. I know, <laughs> yeah, get yeah, fired, yeah. Eventually. I mean, Mind was... you, that was purely because of the O.J. Simpson stuff. Yeah, there we go. So he was fired for telling too many O.J. jokes uh, by a fellow called Don Olmeyer. He was, first of all... Um, who's a friend of O.J. Simpson, he threw a party for the jurors after he got found out. He's also a friend of the show. That's right. He died in 2017, I think. 2017, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Norm was married once. He has a son. Uh, Loved literature and country music. I was a relative latecomer to the Norm Club, only really getting into him and his lore and the many, many showbiz uh, stories that circulate around him. Uh, later in life, uh, like more re- as like as I've mentioned, I like I had seen and I loved Dirty Work in around I don't know long time ago. Anyway, I was in university, so 2006, let's say. But even to watch it now, it feels kind of out of sync with what was being made then. I'd say, and yeah, for me too. At the time, I couldn't quite believe it, especially the prison scene. It's just you know is bizarre. It's it seems much more in line with the likes of Dodgeball and Anchorman that I mentioned before, but. It's got the trappings of a 90s comedy. But anyway, it was around 10 years after that I got into his like stand-up album, which I really enjoyed. And But it wasn't until I moved to Spain that I ate up every single episode of his YouTube podcast, which was then available t- uh, the two seasons at the time. And I, I still listen to that even now. And you really, that's the place to go, I would say, to get a real clear picture of what was so special about Norm Macdonald. I mean, it is the dictum of every uh, of the profession of comedian to on your surface, you know, not give a fuck. But I genuinely I don't think many of them could swear by that stance like but Norm. I actually I genuinely think that's that thanks to his hazing, his recent hazing, Shane Gillis has got a touch of that about him. I don't think he gives much of a fuck anymore. And people in their head think that looks something like Mick Jagger or I don't know if that's a poor reference, but you know, Somebody with a mohawk terror is smashing things, but it actually doesn't. It looks like just a, sco- a stoic guy sitting in the cor- corner being very funny. And like that podcast was just so utterly compelling. The format of Norm Live was a celebrity guest and the perfect foil uh, manager of the comedy store, uh, Adam, Adam Egan. 
Adam Eagert would sit in on Norm, often just spitballing off himself. If he actually had someone he really, really, really admired on the show, it almost wasn't as good. But the best episodes were when he had like real friends of his on, like Adam Sandler and Gilbert Gottfried. But basically, it was just an opportunity for him to just really go fucking nuts and weird. There's a really famous... Famous? No, it's a favorite clip of mine where he... Uh, uh, you can look it up easily on YouTube about where he tells ta- famously gay comedian um, <laughs> he's Todd, a famous uh, Glass Todd Glass about the time he went to see Brokeback Mountain which just <laughs> makes me fucking cackle I love that bit but yeah that's where I would advise people to go to really pick up on where to get, like you know just what makes the guy so special made the guy so special many people's favorite Norm story yearns back to when he roasted now dead a director of Dirty Work, Bob Saget, in what's now seen as an ingenious <laughs> roast of roasting itself. But at the time, people just thought he was m- just mental. But I mean, well, like, the audience didn't get it. No, all the like all the all the acts on stage were laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, because it was just it was like anti joke type, you know, comedy of using like really, really like nineteen forties, nineteen thirties style jokes. He said. Uh, what is it? Uh, Su- <laughs> Susie, what's her name from Curb? Su- Susie Blah is uh, famously a vegetarian, but she's still full of baloney in my book. I, uh, uh, Gilbert Godfrey, you might see a door at the back of the auditorium, says, gentlemen on, under, uh, on it, pay no heed, go on in. There's no door that says scoundrel. Uh, but, <laughs> and they had later on in it, I think... Uh, what was the know? one about the hill? Like the, the car and the hill? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 Floris Leachman, people say she's yeah. over the hill. Not in the car I saw her driving. I, uh, I'm not telling any tales out of school here. But like, yeah, later on in it, uh, Jim Norton kind of says, says to Norm, Norm, God bless you. Your your uh, set was like watching Henry, Henry Fonda pick blueberries. And Norm retorts by saying, I don't think there's <laughs> one of us here who would not like to watch Henry Fonda pick blueberries. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, Andy Samberg in the James Franco roast kind of did a very similar thing. Ripping off Norm's Norm's set. Boo! Although it was um, funny though, it was worthwhile. Sam, so, what, that was that was one of the better roast. Norm Macdonald was a, a fan of Sandberg. What was it like uh, when they were on the YouTube live show? They were he was interviewing uh, the Lonely Island. And he goes, <laughs> "Hey, you know what I you know what I call him Sandberg and the other couple of fellas." <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a lot of people's favorite Norm story. Mine would probably be a tie between two. Just to show what a weirdo he was. I mean, one, that he broke up with Elle McPherson because of her uh, frequent use of the phrase don't go there, which frequently bugged him. Have you ever heard that? (laughs) No. That's pretty funny, yeah. And uh, two, that when they'd provide a limo to take him to the weekly SNL after party, he would routinely take that limo to Atlantic City and have the the driver wait outside Trump Casino for two days. (laughs) He lost so much money gambling. I didn't realize how... You know, he said he'd like lost like everything lost twice. Fortune. Yeah, yeah. He lost everything twice. A gambling and, uh, addict. Then the second time where he lost everything, he threw his last 40 grand into the sea. And um, respect. Yeah, yeah. Just to kind of say, I'll lose it. He, anyway. did, he did quite well in the in the uh, World Series of Poker as well. Yeah. Yeah. Many time. times over. He, yeah, he got he got pretty close to the end. Like he won a, a reasonable sum of money. He he tells a story about when he was trying to get off gambling and he, he stumped a psychiatrist because the psychiatrist said to him, uh, well, I mean, you're just gambling um, to so you don't have to think about your life. And Norm says, he said to him, uh, isn't that why everyone does everything in life? 
Uh, yeah. He died last year, four days before my wedding, which really bummed me out. I actually... Um, That's very, very thoughtless of him. I actually have a funny story to say about that because in at my wedding, which was like the, the actual ceremony, it was a very short affair in um, the town hall. And uh, I made a, like a, a a little speech for like you know the dead a friend of mine uh, the like some grandparents here and there and I also said uh, Norm Macdonald whatever uh, just, you know it was you know whatever uh, like I because I was very b- bummed out about it that week uh, and then um, what you call it so I made the I made one speech in English and then I made the other speech in Spanish for my wife's family <laughs> and I said uh, una pausa para los muertos. And Belen's Egypt of a brother heard una aplausa para los muertos and started going and just burst well, in, just burst into applause. And then everybody, because that's what happens when someone bursts into applause, everybody just started clapping. And I had to say, no, a pause for the day, but it was quite funny. It was, it was funny in the end. So, yeah. So Norm got a round of applause in a Spanish town hall. <laughs> and <laughs> and a good... Was that. And a good gag out of it as well. Um, yeah, I'm sure he would have loved it. Uh, to finish it off, just saying he had leukemia for nine years and told a handful of people, didn't want it to get out because he was afraid it would affect how people would perceive him. And this actually yeah, makes Yeah, they'd it, probably be scared of catching it. There you go. But this actually makes it like really telling. Some interviews he gave like about four or five years ago, around the time that Tig Notario was being very public about... Um, <laughs> That's... Her, her... I think you may have added an extra vowel in there, but go ahead. Wait, what did I say? Tignataro. And what, what's her actual name? Tignataro. Ah, fair enough. Tignataro. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Um, was, <laughs> that, was, that is accurate, yeah. Was being very uh, public about her, her breast cancer, and people thought that Norm was just being a... Maybe he was being a bit of an old cunt, but he had a point. Um, he, was, he was saying that people keep saying that's brave, but if you look at somebody like Richard Farnsworth, that actor who was in The Straight Story... Mm. And shot himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had cancer right up until the end, told nobody. And, and he's like, Norm said, well, that to me is brave. Meanwhile, now we know at the time, Norm was literally doing just that, not saying yeah. anything to anybody. Imagine he got wheeled out and cancelled for defending like Louis C.K. and Roseanne Barr. He could have pulled the cancel card anytime he wanted. But uh, no, it was a gentleman and a G to the end. I'm personally glad he's dead. Fuck him. Me Fuck too. that guy, yeah. I never cared for him particularly. I did enjoy, uh, I would listen to a podcast called Why Are You Laughing? And they had a good episode about uh, uh, Norm's firing. So they basically they go over like Norm versus Don, Don Olmeyer and uh, Olmeyer's friendship with O.J. Simpson. And um, it has a lot of like interview clips of them both talking about it. It's quite interesting. You actually recommended so that to me a while podcast. ago and I forgot about it. I must check that out, yeah. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. That kind of lore would be right up my street. And just even you said, why are you laughing? Always like a... <laughs> that's basically a trick that uh, Norm would often play on his podcast where he would just um, <laughs> bring up bring up 9-11 and just say to someone, why, why do you laugh at that? Why? <laughs> but, <laughs> but 9-11 was a national tragedy. Oh God, my favorite of his 9-11 jokes. And then we'll move on. Next cast member, I promise. We're... Um, he go he goes to Nick Swartzen, which is a great episode of the podcast to listen to. I don't laugh at nine eleven. I remember I was wading through blood and bone in Manhattan, looking for my brother. He was in northern Canada. <laughs> Big fan. Big fan. Anyway, uh yeah, fuck Norm MacDonald. Glad he's dead. 
Second in line in the cast was Norm's good friend, Artie Lang. What's your, uh, what's your knowledge of Artie Lang? Substantial. I'm not really a huge fan. I've never really I mean, listened to bits and pieces of his uh, stand-up. I've listened to his podcast a lot back when he used to do it, but I think his love affair with uh, heroin, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> curtailed most of those projects. So... Yeah, it was always a bit. It was always a bit hit and miss. Like even when he was, you know, when he was like a guest on other shows or his all his time on Stern and everything, it was always a bit of a gamble if he was actually going to turn up. <laughs> well, he could, so. he was great when he showed up. That was the thing. Yeah, he could, yeah, he, yeah. He could be really he's very really good funny. on radio and podcasts. But yeah, I've never actually heard any of his stand up. Uh, guy from New Jersey. <laughs> That's pretty much how I'd summarize it. Fair enough. Fair enough. He. Got friendly with Norm Macdonald. I think an awful lot of it had to do with the fact that they were both um, manic gamblers that went on tour together and eventually Norm had Lang, who would have been then, I suppose, a relative unknown. He got him to star in the film Dirty Work. Norm had like a sort of a history of just, uh, I don't know, enjoying lunatics and the company of just madmen. That's why he got to be friends with the uh, famous country singer Billy Joe Shaver. But he became especially friendly with... Um, Artie Lang, after he got fired from Mad TV for, like, punching his producer when they were out in the tear in Las Vegas. And then Norm, when promoting the film Dirty Work, which Lang co-stars in, had Lang recount the story on Howard Stern, and that resulted in Lang getting a regular spot on Howard Stern for years afterwards. So Lang got uh, seriously sober, uh, I think, uh, about three years ago. Having lied about being sober many times in the past, it has to be said. but. um yeah, he kind of dropped off the face of the earth a little bit, like during COVID. I think that yes. he is genuinely sober, but I just think he's not doing anything. Yeah, a lot of people out there have a lot of love for him. If you listen to that uh, podcast that he started doing when he got sober proper, uh, I think it's called Artie Lang's Halfway House. Um, there's a yeah. lot of our buddy Kevin Brennan was on there, I believe, mm. and as was uh, Colin Quinn. So a lot of people out there got a lot of love for Artie Lang, but um, I think Norm said in m- m- uh, multiple interviews in the past that uh, you know. He was just somebody that you couldn't stay too close to, basically, you know, which I have experienced. He, he has some, there are some crazy stories about Ari Lang over the years of some of the stuff that he would do to, like, get drugs when he was out on the road. I can't, oh. I can't recall any of them, but, you know, like, just ridiculous things that he would be doing at three o'clock in the morning. Oi, poor so old it's, fella. It's a rough, a rough go. Wow, apparently, uh, apparently, actually, he was found on the floor, like, ODing when people were arriving around at his house to do an intervention. Jesus, that's poor timing, isn't it? <laughs> he, there, was, uh, there was one time, he, I remember he tried to kill himself, like, he sliced up his wrists and very, very nearly died. That's not that long ago. Maybe 10 years. Oi. Well, I mean, and but then, I mean, he, get to, he got to tell the whole story as it was happening, on uh, Joe DePato's show, Crashing. Bizarre. Bizarre that Joe DePato would be, like, going after people with his woke shit while giving a platform to Artie Lang, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, he was basically, he was just playing himself. Yeah. A kind of drugged-up version of himself, yeah. Fucking madness. I, from, from, from the little I watched of that. I think I watched the first season. Yeah, I watched the first season. I got quite into it. And then um, I was watching the second one. and I, I just wasn't bothered with it. But then I went back for a hate watch when they had their Me Too episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
next up on the cast, playing uh, Sam's father, um, and it turns out as well, uh, Norm's father, whatever Norm's character's name is, was Jack Warden, who uh, was actually, you know, a famous enough actor back in the day. He was in Shampoo and uh, Heaven Can Wait. Uh, I believe he was in that famous James Caan movie as well, uh, Brian's Song, maybe. But uh, yeah, he was always a famous, uh, he was always a favorite of Norm's. He was also in 12 Angry Men. Yes, actually, he was in 12 Angry Men. What? That's it. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Quality. Yeah, yeah, he was, uh, he is the guy. He played the young Mexican boy. <laughs> he wasn't Mexican. Where was he from? I don't remember. No, he plays the salesman who wants the Puerto quick decision, Rico. who ultimately gets it has the deciding role. It's quite a big role in um, Twelve Angry mm. Men. Actually, he's also in the Verdict. He's in a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, oh, the Verdict's good. Uh, but Norm would have been a, a, a huge fan of his. He would have sought out people like this. Actually, a famous callback that they kept getting to uh, on uh, Norm Macdonald Live was when their producer spoiled an uh, an opportunity for them to get what's his name on. Uh, you know the actor who used to play Beretta. Uh God. He's also he's in what he's uh, also Blake. in a David Lynch movie. Yeah, Robert Blake. Rob, Robert Robert Blake. Robert Blake, yeah. But it, it, the, Robert Blake pulled out at the last minute and instead they had to get Fred Stoller, which was actually the perfect replacement because <laughs> Fred Stoller was so lame and they spend the whole episode just making fun of Fred Stoller. But anyway, <laughs> and uh, Jack Warner went on to star with Norm in Warden. his Jack Warden, sorry. Jack Warden went on to star uh, with Norm in the uh, sitcom Norm, in which Norm played Norm. Uh, How is that? Have you ever watched any of that? That's okay. You know, it's like, imagine if Dirty Work was 20 hours long, you would stop watching after about two, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah, so I haven't watched watched much of it. Like, it's the, like you know, I mean, they, you know, they gave him the opportunity to, to make a sitcom and he went in and made it. I mean, I, if you were going to go into other Norm projects, I would much more recommend the podcast or the sports show with Norm MacDonald. Like, the sports show is all scripted, but the jokes are, are fucking absolutely brilliant. Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, no, uh, also, you can find uh, some funny uh, warden stories that uh, Norm will tell on, uh, like, uh, I think on the Howard Stern show, where he could, they were doing the Norm show, and he could tell that Jack Warden was kind of losing his marbles bit by bit, but he was a pro actor, so he would remember his lines as he was going by going, uh, like, he would have to say the, uh, the line, uh, Hockey's not good anymore, Norm. And he would go, uh, Ah, Normie! Normie, Normie, Normie! Hockey, Norm! Hockey! (laughs) And just wander his way through it like that. Trailer Howard is in it, and also Monk. She's in Monk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's in Dirty Work. In, In The Guy. In The Guy? She's inside Monk. Yes, exactly. What? Ah, now come on, that's dirty. I like the part where they were talking about Christopher McDonald and his and his dog. Oh yeah, that he would have his thumb <laughs> like, up the chihuahua's ass. <laughs> They're just having the cover like Ari Lang's going. He's having a conversation going, yeah, 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 blah, 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 blah. and he's uh, definitely doing that dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have Chris Farley. Chris Farley in the house. Many people who. Uh, you know, they say he was the funniest guy they ever met. And Norm recounted the first time he ever met him uh, was the season he got hired from SNL. And uh, <laughs> it's a very funny story. Have you ever heard this? They were all at some resort that uh, Lorne Michaels would take people away to. And there was another writer in there called Pat something or other. And then this is the first time Norm had ever met Chris Farley. Chris grabbed Norm and he said, come here, come here, come here, come here. You got to, I got to, you know, he took him away to a quiet corner of the hotel. And then uh, he said to him, 
Now, this does not leave this room. He's like, okay. He says, Pat is a woman! <laughs> and that was it. That's the whole thing. It's classic. It was. It was just mad uh, fucking Farley stuff. Later in the evening, he was said to do an impression of a salad by shoving a tomato up his ass. That I was just the- think that'd be like, like someone who's on like that all the time must be so much. It must have been so much hard work. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, he would like you know he would get into fights and shit as well. You know, uh, and he would also uh, frequently um, annoy David Spade by putting on his clothes because David Spade was so tiny and he would stretch his clothes because <laughs> he's a big fat guy. Uh, which actually they made into a joke in the film Tommy Boy. Have you ever Tommy seen Boy. Tommy Boy? Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't. Fat guy in a little coat. Yeah, Tommy nice. Boy's funny, but it's actually, you know, it's on the same kind of... Yeah, I feel like s- that would have been a good uh, partner to this. It would have, but I've seen it. But I should have just said it. Fuck. Well, uh, I, I, hadn't, I still haven't seen Tommy Boy, so it would have worked. But either way, we'll get to Black Knight eventually. But it's a, you know, it's a, from a similar sort of a playbook to Dirty mm-hmm. Work, basically. You know what I mean? It's a comedy vehicle for this guy. There's a love interest for some bizarre reason. Anyway. Uh, yeah, all the Adam Sandler films were that as well. Exactly, yeah. Somehow Sandler made it work better, though, I would say. Sandler's a better actor, to be Yeah, fair. that's true. That's true. He's, he's proven himself over the years in, in serious roles, too. Yeah. But unfortunately, uh, Farley battled with uh, alcohol and drug addiction for much of his adult life and then eventually in uh, December 18, 1997 he was found dead by his brother John yeah he was 33 years old it was revealed he died of an overdose of cocaine and morphine um, which with his you know obesity significantly contributing to his death yeah he was with a prostitute who left left him basically while he was ODing I think yeah I've heard that too I remember back in the day of like whatever like gruesome.com or whatever it was that rotten.com <laughs> rotten.com yeah i remember seeing the like the, the the crime scene photos oh jesus they're fairly brutal yeah i mean it's rough stuff whenever you hear like uh young Dunica would hate me for saying this sentence but whenever you hear like morons like doug stanhope go on that you know what i mean Oh no, he died like, you know, doing what he loved and addiction is just something you love more than life. I mean, where's the like fucking dignity in a death like that? You know what I mean? That's I don't the... know. I, d- I don't know if I'd come out and call Stanhope a moron. Uh, I, well, whenever I hear him talking about stuff like that, like he would say that, you know, it's better that Mitch Her- Hedberg is dead than live to get past his addiction. I just can't help but disagree with that. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's, it depends. I think some people are that way. I don't know if they're ever... And maybe that's the thing about Chris Farley. Maybe there was no alternative. Maybe. I wouldn't I say... Know. I just, I, I think Stanhope, uh, not everyone is going to be as stoic as Stanhope is <laughs> to ridiculous levels. And obvi- and I think he has like drunk, he has drunk himself stupid at this point. But still, I mean... Okay, I wouldn't... I don't know that I, I wouldn't, disagree with him. I wouldn't call him a full-time moron, but I don't think that's just a, a great uh, a great thing to be saying. Also, personally. I think he was joking. Those are jokes. I don't think he necessarily... No, no, no. I remember I hear, heard him getting into a big argument with big sober Jim Norton about it on a radio show one time. Fair enough, then. For real. But anyway, whatever. Yeah, I'm glad Chris Farley's dead. Yeah, I'm glad Jim Norton's alive. Go ahead. Anyway, uh, next up we have Chris McDonald playing a foil. Would you believe yeah. it? <laughs> but he's playing fucking... Playing Shooting McGavin, too. Exactly. But he's fucking great in that role. Uh, I mean... Yeah, Shooter he's, Mag- a, he's a good he's a good baddie. Shooter McGavin has a greater, more immortal yeah, line in better. 
and I eat pieces of shit like shit for breakfast. Yeah, exactly. We both said it at the same time. No. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, he's good in this. I presume this is pretty much what he does. Bad guy stuff. I haven't seen him in anything in years. uh, But but very recently. Two years after this, he was in Requiem for a Dream. Who's he in Requiem for a Dream? The film I've only watched once. We have a winner. We have a winner. Be excited. Be, be excited. He's like the game show host type guy. Oh, the host of the show that the lady wants to get on, so she takes diet pills. Yeah, Alan Burstyn, yeah. Uh, Yeah, like I said, only once, we'll never watch again. Unless you force me to in this podcast, which please don't do that. Yeah, we should do that. He was cast in uh, Secret Invasion, though, recently, which is a big enough role Mm. coming up for him, you know? God bless him. He's playing one of those alien-y guys. Chevy Chase. Nobody likes Chevy Chase. But you and I like Chevy Chase. Uh, So I suppose, yeah, he was... uh, he was one of the original uh, National Lampoon boys coming right have out of Harvard. Heard, have you ever got around to watching that no, National fuck. Lampoon film? A few times to Jester. It's really good. Uh, the the portrayal of Chevy Chase is that he was big into physical comedy and was just doing a ton of coke all the time. <laughs> he 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 comes out of it pretty well. Joel McHale plays him, right? Yeah, yeah. So someone Which is, who knows him quite well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you. Would seem to be more up on showbizy gossip than me. <laughs> yes, sweetie. Did he did he fall out with every member of the cast and community, or was it just with Dan Harmon? No, nah, I think everyone hated him. All right, because like for everyone me, everyone was like happy when he when he left. For me, he has the funniest uh, moment in all of Community, where he pants Loretta. I think that's just comedy gold. <laughs> just the fact that, that she's called Loretta. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Leave me alone. The <laughs> The older black lady. Yeah. Probably not Loretta, is it? I don't think so. I think he just racistly... Yeah, maybe. plucked a name. Oh, God. Oh, God. Is that a slave name? Uh, she called. I can't think what she's called anyway. I'll tell you what the actress is called. Yvette Nicole Brown. Thank you for for knowing that. Uh, so yeah. when he pants Yvette Nicole, Nicole Brown, her name is Nicole Brown? Yvette Nicole Brown. <laughs> she's Fair. very clear. There's an Yvette. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he was a, a member of the original National Lampooners and then uh, was a member of the original cast of SNL. He was the very first weekend uh, update guy, but he did the um, he did the desk with uh, a lady and then uh, coined the catchphrase, Jane, you ignorant slut. That was their kind of thing, their banter at the end of it. I, th- I think uh, Anchorman is pretty much based on their banter. Mm-hmm. Um he, of course, went on to do the National Lampoon films, Fletch, uh, that kind of thing. Genu- genuinely, as I've said many times in this podcast, I just think he is uh, absolutely hysterical. He famously got into uh, got into a punch-up with uh, Bill Murray. Have you heard about this? Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, so uh, I think Bill Murray made a crack about his wife, and then uh, he made a crack about Bill Murray's kid or something like that. It all got very, very personal, but then eventually they worked together again on... Uh, Caddyshack, which is uh, funny enough too in its own right. So yeah, Norm got to work with Chevy and then made a special go of working with Rickles. Did you know Don Rickles improved all his dialogue in this? Yeah, I uh, heard at one point he's just like roasting Norm, not actually the character, and they obviously cut all that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what Norm said. He wanted him to go in and just roast people. And I suppose Norm was the first person I, I've heard made this observation about Rickles, um, but... Uh, Norm said his favorite Rickle stuff was the stuff that made no sense whatsoever. That he would, he would, he would just say mad stuff. He would just say like, uh, 
Yeah, yeah, I seen your fan club. I seen your fan club. They're two guys in a cabin in the woods with a rake going like this. Ah. And just, you know, it doesn't make any sense at all. There's kind of a bit of that in, in his roast in the film where he goes, why don't you get out a, get a horse and go live in the mountains and don't bother anybody? But um, yeah. over like his nickname famously was Mr. Warmth. Uh, but as a matter of fact, he was off stage and out of his perf- persona, he was very, very receptive and actually ended up making plenty of fans of young guys later in his career and his life whereby they would just be big fans of him sort of write to him or seek him out and he would end up having dinner with them a few times one of them being northern irish actor jamie dornan have you heard about this was was friends with don rickles was fucking friends with don rickles this is true yeah 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 (laughs) yeah he was friends with don rickles he uh basically he was able to contact him through an agent and just because he said he used to just watch clips of Don Rickles doing roasts and then uh, he he wrote him a letter through their agent and uh, John, Don Rickles actually got back to him and then another time he saw him at a restaurant just went up to him said he was a big fan Don Rickles remembered his letter etc they said goodbye then Don Rickles contacted him specifically and uh, invited him to his show in Vegas and they had dinner after that and they had dinner a few more times with uh, Don Rickles and his wife, uh, Barb. So yeah, so there we go. Yeah, I know, right? Famously, <laughs> Norm's opinion of that was like when he heard that uh, uh, Rickles was, was best friends with like John Stamos and uh, Norm, Norm hated that. He's like, what the hell? <laughs> Rickles is friends with Don, John Stamos. But anyway, yeah. Uh, Rickles playing the irate cinema manager in Dirty Work. Anybody else worth mention, do you think? Uh, the main homeless guy is Jim Downey, who's a big SNL writer. He oh, SNL right, is he? Years and years and years, yeah. Ah, that's pretty cool, that's isn't it? That's everyone that comes to mind, considering we've already spent 52 minutes on this. All right, let's just race through the plot then, will we? Yeah. Mm. Uh, I'll try and name out jokes I remember as I go. So, growing up, friends Mitch Weaver and Sam McKenna are taught by Sam's hard-nosed dad, Pops McKenna, not to take any crap from anyone. Uh, To that end, the pair plant a a bunch of guns in the schoolyard bully's desk, have him arrested (laughs) for gun possession. (laughs) I like that scene early on where, like, the young Norm gets thrown into the, gets thrown into the dumpster. Yeah, because he says to him, actually, I'm afraid I can't do that because I'm just not sure you'll spend it on milk, which is a funny line <laughs> as well. Then the next, they catch a kid fondling crossing guard mm-hmm. uh, after having applied crazy glue to the bottom of Mitch's pants. Not included in this summary is the third prank they show where they take the picture of the babysitter and you get Norma's voice saying, after all these years, this pi- that picture still <laughs> makes me horny. I mean, wistful, wistful. Yeah. As adults, uh, after losing 14 jobs in three months and being dumped by his girlfriend, Mitch moves in with Sam and Pops, who then has a heart attack. In the hospital, uh, Pops confides that because of their parents' swinging lifestyle, he is also Mitch's father. Uh, He shows him a picture of him having (laughs) sex with his mother in a locket. (laughs) That's a very of-the-time joke. (laughs) Why would you say that? I just mean that like that's the kind of thing I would expect from this film. And you find out he's having sex with the mother in the locket by Norm saying, oh my God, it's a picture of you and my mother, and you're having sex. Uh, Do you remember the name of the magazine that Pops is reading? No. It's Impotent Old Men and Whores. Oh, yeah. Uh, There's a lot lot of the usage of uh, whores is probably controversial nowadays. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I know a dead hooker when I see one, pal. 
even though Pop's heart is failing, Dr. Farthing, played by Chevy Chase, a hopeless gambler, uh, will raise Mr. McKenna's position on the transplant waiting list if he is paid $50,000 to save himself from his bookie. Mitch and Sam get jobs in a cinema with an abusive manager, Don Rickles, and exact their revenge by showing men in black who like to have sex with each other, which is apparently a real film. Uh, to oh, a pa- watch that. To a packed house and get their manager fired. The other empl- uh, workers congratulate them and suggest they go into business. Uh, also controversial around this stage in the film is uh, the use of the word fruits, which <laughs> the, uh, I believe he calls the, the pizza guy who he... Uh, fires him a bunch of uh, sweaty Italian fruits. Seems mild compared to, <laughs> to some of the other things. Mitch and Sam open Dirty Work, a revenge for hire business. The Dirty Work phone number is 555-0187. Why is that in here? A fictitious number used later on Saturday Night Live. Ah! Mitch go. falls for a woman named Kathy, played by Trailer Howard, who works for a shady used car dealer, played by David Keckner. Oh yeah, he's in this. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. Keckner looking exactly the same as he's always looked his <laughs> yeah, entire yeah, yeah. life. I think he was born bald and middle-aged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whammy. After public- Whammy. publicly embarrassing the dealer during a live te- uh, TV commercial, um, here's another dead hooker in the trunk. Hey, pal, I know a dead hooker when I see one. The duo exacts increasingly lucrative reprisals for satisfied customers until they interfere with the scru- uh, unscrupulous- Local property developer Travis Cole, played by Christopher McDonald. Cole tricks them into destroying his apartment building, actually owned by Mr. John Kirkpatrick, the landlord, promising to pay them enough to save Pops. Afterwards, Cole reneges, revealing that he is not the owner and that he had them vandalize the building so that he could buy it cheaply and evict the tenants, including Kathy's grandmother, and build a parking lot for his beloved opera house. How all these films needed like a bad landlord or property developer or some shit, didn't they? Well, you need your opera house. Indeed. And Unknown, a functioning society. Unknown to Cole, Mitch's note-to-self mini tape recorder captures this confession. Did you like any of the note-to-self gags? Yeah, I thought they were decent. Keep your distance there, Liberace. What were some of the other note-to-selves? Note-to-self, get wart cream for giant wart on my ass. That one's a bit obvious, but still. Mm. Okay, there was some, there's a couple of other ones early on that are decent. I can't remember them. Aunt Claire is your aunt. That was an early one. <laughs> <laughs> I just re- recalled a, a, one of my favorite little bits of dialogue in the film is where Mitch has nowhere to stay, and he's mentioning it to Chris Farley's character, and <laughs> Farley's talking about this guy, old Jack, who he lives with in, in the Y, and he, <laughs> the last thing he says is, his feet bleed. Uh, which I, I thought was a, a nice little touch. Anyway, Mitch and Sam plot their revenge on Cole using the tape to set up an elaborate trap using skunks, a loyal army of prostitutes, homeless men, a noseless friend, played by Chris Farley, brownies with hallucinogenic additives and pops. They ruin the opening night of Don Giovanni, an opera sponsored prominently by Cole. With the media present, Mitch pay, plays back Cole's confession over the theater sound system. Cole sees that his public image is being tarnished and agrees to pay the 50000 In the end, Cole is punched in the stomach, arrested and jailed. His dog is raped by a skunk. Pops gets his <laughs> operation. Mitch gets the girl. Dr. Farthing overcomes his gambling ha- habit, but gets beaten to death by the bookies anyway. Will you ever watch this again? No, but I like that ending because... Apart from it, you know, Norm is just going like, oh, yeah, and Chevy Chase got beaten to death. Okay, bye. <laughs> it's like the ending is literally him just going like, okay, that's the end, bye, in yeah, the voiceover, yeah. which I respect. 
Farley with the skunks is like the most Chris Farley at 110% energy with his kind of like fly my pretties type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The film made $3 million, which was probably not enough. Because of Norm's fight with NBC, they refused to uh, advertise it at all, which was uh, partially responsible. So anyone who would have uh, enjoyed Norm on uh, Saturday Night Live may not have seen any advertising at all. Back in a time when advertising on TV actually meant something. Yeah, right. I mean, it definitely has a a cult status now, you know, but Mm. who the fuck wants that status? That's pretty cool. It doesn't do much financially, but I still think it's... uh, it's like a decent comedy. It's the only option to really see Norm in a film, like in a in a, in a full length in inverted commas film mm. doing comedy. This is it. So this is all you're getting. Saget made another couple of films. We haven't really talked about Bob Saget at all. No, we haven't. <laughs> I love you, Bob Saget. Uh, now that he's dead, he he made like another film uh, about his sister, about the illness that killed his sister. I think it was like a TV movie. Oh but yeah, his sister that, died he from didn't really, Yeah, he didn't really do much else either. So they were they were both talking about making a sequel. Saget was on Kevin Hart's podcast uh, about. I six heard that. Yeah, ago. yeah, he was talking about making a sequel, and then a few months later, Norm was dead, and then like three months after that, Saget was dead. Um, so I, I blame Kevin Hart. Well, I mean, maybe Kevin Hart will be the next one to die, and then who will you blame? Hmm. Maybe Kevin Brennan. Do you think if like? I mean, if Kevin Hart died, I'm sure everybody would be really, really surprised. But I mean, does someone like Kevin Hart have like the absolute adoration of anyone? No, but he has a lot of money. Yes. You know what I mean? There's, I, I don't know, is there anybody who uh, worships at the altar of Kevin Hart? Well, Norm, uh, like Norm MacDonald is a cult. He's <laughs> yeah. culty, like you already mentioned. Yeah, he is Kevin a cult. Hart, we're never into just talking about stand-up because Kevin Hart, had the kind of the, the, the business acumen to get uh, comedy club patrons to fill out cards with you know to give them their email address and details. He put them on a big mailing list and just emailed everyone when he was coming back through town. Like he was the big guy for that. Not really? That's the only thing. I never that's heard the only that. Thing he was the big guy for. <laughs> well, apparently he had a big so, willy as well. Has he a big willy. Yes, but it got bitten <laughs> off by a Vietnamese whore. That's facts. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Well, this is, I mean, both me and you are kind of autistic about many things, and comedy is one of them. For sure, both yeah. Both having listened to thousands and thousands of hours of stand-up Too many co- hours. Po- podcasts about stand-up comedy. Far too many. So, yeah, way too many hours. And that's why we've spent an hour talking about dirty work. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> oh, God. Far too many hours. Like, I was so giddy listening to the story about Michael Rappaport slapping Ari Shafir. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's just my crack, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yes, I enjoy I, that type I l- of gossip and drama as well. I look at the Spanish gossip magazines where everything's about the fucking matadors and their wives, <laughs> and I'm snooty about them. But if there was a similar gossip magazine for the New York comedy scene, I would get it every week. If it came out it's twice... It's on site, Ari. It's on site. <laughs> If you don't know what we're referencing, then yeah. well done you. Fuck you. <laughs> what do you think of Black Knight? I think it's probably the greatest film ever made in the history of cinema. I Black Knight always stuck out in my head because it was in the very first issue of Empire Magazine, and a magazine I've gotten since 
I mean, for about 22 years now, every single issue. Black Knight was reviewed, and I remember the summary of the review was uh, a goldfish would be capable of making a better film. Do you think that's true? Do you think a a goldfish could make a better film than this? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Black Knight is not the worst film in the history of cinema. Nor is it the best. No. But it's not the worst. I didn't mind this. Uh, It didn't bother me. It bothered me. I thought it might. Why did you think you're racist? (laughs) Yeah, I just I was like, there were no black guys back then. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I did think it was like the choice to make the love interest mixed race. I get it. I get it. But like, I feel like it would have been truer to have her be white just because I feel like that would have maybe would have seemed more realistic or authentic. Well, he does have sex with a white lady in the film. He does in the, (laughs) you know, and fair play. Well done. A ginger white lady. That's top shelf. But this kind of film is probably like nowadays looking back on it, Martin Lawrence's experience of being the star in this type of film is probably quite similar to being black and getting sent back to the whatever century. Like, (laughs) he's probably one of the the only black people on set for the entire thing. Yeah. So it's like, it is kind of like, it is almost like a story about him navigating Hollywood. And he's someone who, uh, through his years and years and years of being famous, has has numerous stories about him, like, freaking out and breaking down. Yeah. And, you know, like, running around in the street in his pants, waving a gun, and all the... Which kind of feeds into the, the the times we've talked about how Hollywood is obviously a horrible, horrible place and what it does to people. Yeah, yeah, for but, sure. But, but like, but if someone like him of coming up at a time where there was usually one black stand-up comedian, like there was one who was put to the top of the, like the top of the hierarchy, and then he was getting those similar kind of films. Like uh, Chris Rock was kind of getting cast in those films as well around the same time, the early yeah. 2000s, where he's the lead in a film where er- basically everyone is white, but there's like a black kind of fish-out-of-water character. And that's what's going on here. And it's <laughs> it's funny going back and and watching it because it's all Martin Lawrence running around doing like way over-the-top shtick, yeah. saying things about like Tiger Woods, Rodney King, making references of the age that feel it feels a bit <laughs> minstrelly <laughs> in you know, a way <laughs> you, you know like what you were talking about that like the one black guy on set and you know hollywood back in the day and so the funny thing is it's very easy to like interpret that as like a conspiracy against black people generally you could easily see that but you could also just see oh these guys are just going where the money is because nowadays yeah totally that nowadays the money is on you know being more woke. So everything's more fucking woke. And that's just it. Where the money is, is the surest sign of where society is. Martin Lawrence got paid $20 million for this film. Jesus so it's Christ. Not like, it's not like they were just going like, hey, you come here. And, you know, like originally it was going to be Chris Tucker. He turned it down. Martin Lawrence took it for a $20 million paycheck. Like, I'm sure it came at a certain cost. <laughs> but you know, watching outtakes of this, like the kind of uh, the fuck ups, what are they called? Bloopers. Bloopers, yeah. Watching the blooper reel to this. It looks like they were having a good time. Like, Martin Lawrence is joking around a lot. Have you ever watched any of his stand-up? Very, very, very limited little bits and pieces. I haven't... You know, Martin was huge as well. Oh, his sitcom. From I've like, never I've yeah, never seen an episode of that. to 97. Me neither. That past... Like, 
that came out at a time where we didn't get stuff from the US, like everything. We just got certain bits and pieces. We didn't get SNL or things like that. We didn't get Martin. But people love that show. It's very, very highly regarded. Thinking back to some of his film performances, I, like I like him in this. I think he's likable enough. That's what sells it to me. I don't mind, like I said, it is over the top shtick that he's doing, but like I, I don't mind it at all. Uh, and a lot of it is very obvious, but what it doesn't. I, like... There, there was times where I was laughing, and I did think like maybe I'm just in a good mood. It's just but... so soulless, though. It's just so fucking soulless. But you know, you know that I like time travel and alternate history type. Yes, things. actually, so even that's a, true. Even the the basic premise sells it to me alone. Okay, do you remember? Do you want a man? It does feel like both of no. these films are in the same universe as Joanna Man. <laughs> let, let, let me finish. You know Joanna Man, and you, you know the kind of pimpish character who falls in yeah. love with Joanna Man. <laughs> Whatever you say What's about... What's Tommy, Tommy Davidson, yeah. Whatever you say the about actor. that movie, there's real heart in his performance. There's something about that performance that actually makes the, makes that tiny corner of the movie actually work on a level that... <laughs> I guess. It's just like classic Tommy Davidson being mental. But there's none of that in Black Knight. It's so kind of just awful and cynical and shit. It's like it's very very studio produced. Like you know, like you know all the you know the music scene. Like I could see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that yeah, coming. It's coming a mile off from I know, precisely I know, but I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed the stupidity of them not when being able caught... to not not understanding the music. To like thirty seconds later, and they're going. No, that not that stuff. That's not the stuff that I would even mind too much. It's the when it cuts to the king dancing. Yeah, (laughs) but I I guess a lot of that is going to the kind of like also like hey these black these black people are kind of all right. (laughs) Do you know what? Like I love like every like okay fair enough. It's just a comedy or whatever. But every screenwriting book is just ignored in this in a weird way. It's like, okay, you know where that guy, <laughs> you know where that guy Percy kills the king at the end? Why does he do that? Why? It's, why not? Because it, the, I think the reveal is like Percival is the is the real baddie. Yeah, but I mean, and why it doesn't matter the, about the king? But it's, I I don't know. Because it's, yeah, it's just to make it clear that Percival is like is who they're trying is really who they're trying to kill, and the king doesn't really matter. I mean, it's Black Knight. (laughs) 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 It was. It's just a. It's like a vehicle for a black comedy actor. Bear with me. Bear with me. Okay, that sequence where Percy kills the king that probably took a day or two or three to set up and pull off and everything. And did nobody ever stop and go, "Well, why is this in this at all?" Just little things. I don't think. I don't think the script was like a big concern. I think it was mostly, it's like, it's, you know, it's the, the films of the time is like, we're just going to get Martin Lawrence up there and he's going to say things in a reasonably funny way. Hey. And he's going to make references to like black culture of the 90s. I'm not saying I expected this film to be better or that it should be better. I'm just listing the reasons it annoyed me so much. Fair enough. That didn't bother me at all. I don't. I don't consider that a problem. I would have thrown the king into the moat as well. You see, the setup of this film is something that I could enjoy if it's done well. This have film you ever was seen the French film going... uh, Les, Les Visitors? They've... Yeah, that's a great film. I love that film. 
I don't think they're trying to do the same thing particularly. I know what you mean, yes. I just mean like this is just a big budget, like literally, like I said before, a big studio vehicle for like a, a black, you know, black comedy actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To do over the top references to black culture of, of the time period. Yeah, you're probably It's right. not like who were the other, who were the actors in Le Visiteur, Jean, Reno, and, uh, and someone else. I can't remember. Neither can I. I. Must watch that again, though. I used to really like it. This film is directed by Gil Younger. It's his follow-up to 10 Things I Hate About You. Which I love! 10 Things I Hate About he, You. I love but it. But then after this, like he did, he did one film with uh, Paul Nichols off of EastEnders. And then mm. he spent the rest of his career just making like TV movies. He's had a really weird career. Maybe he ju- it seems like he just decided it wasn't for him, to be honest. He reached the pinnacle in Black Knight and thought, well, <laughs> it's not going to get any better than this. Do you like 10 Originally, Things I Hate About You? Gonna, I haven't seen it. I did get hold of it. I was going to watch it, but then I thought, nah. I, I've seen clips of it over the years of old Heath Ledger's and Joseph Gordon left it. Uh, last summer, last summer when my brother was over in Barcelona, uh, I like, yeah, I, I said, you know, just for some comfort watching, I was like, okay, 10 things I hate about you. And then him and my wife were like, nah, that's a bit shit. And then we put on Mean Girls afterwards and they loved that. And I was like, I like Mean Girls too, but I was like going to the man, look. No 10 Things I Hate About You, no Mean Girls, okay? You don't get one without the other. Originally, uh, Black Knight was going to be directed by F. Gary Gray. So at wow. least then you would have had like black director, black star. <laughs> Might have panned out a little differently. Slightly, yeah. I mean, But this, mi- this film, the budget was 50 million and it made just under 40. But bearing in mind, 20 million of that budget went to Martin Lawrence. 20 million? And Martin Lawrence doesn't pr- really work anymore, does he? He might still do stand-up. I don't know if he does films. I don't know if he does stand-up, actually. I feel like I've seen him. I've seen him in a couple of interviews. I tried to find him uh, recently talking about Black Knight. He was on Kevin Hart's podcast as well. But he was talking about like some of his films that did well. He was talking about Life, the one with Eddie Murphy and a yeah. couple of other things. I haven't found him talking about Black Knight. I don't think it's something that he particularly reflects on that often this film has something in common with uh scream 2022 scream okay you know what that is you know what it was they were both filmed in wilmington north carolina oh okay you mean this wasn't filmed in a real european castle no it it looked all right but the uh it was filmed at screen gem studios and to make way for the castle set they demolished the city set from michael cimino's 1985 film year of the dragon I've Have never you seen, seen Year of the Dragon? No, I've never seen me, it. Me neither. I just, I sourced a copy of it after reading about that. It looks quite good. It's like a triad type thing. I've... Look, it looks decent. I've only ever seen the one Michael Cimino film, and it feels like enough. I've seen The Deer Hunter. Have you not, have you not watched the other, the one that, what was the one that did him in? Days of Heaven or whatever it's called? Heaven's no, Gate. I mean, it's on the list, but I mean, it's a yeah, long, yeah, yeah, it's a long yeah. film, you know? There's a, and uh, Thunder, was it Thunderbolt and Lightfoot as well? That's reasonably well regarded. Anyway, this studio, this is where Brandon Lee died during production of The Crow. Oh, right. That's hot. It's a screen gem, North Carolina. This film, uh, it was uh, originally going to be released mid-2002, but it got pushed back to November 2001 thanks to 9-11. The studios wanted family-friendly content. Ah, oh, thanks, 9-11. Save us, Martin. Save us. I wasn't the... Like, I mean, 9-11 was a national tragedy. It was a national tragedy. That's yeah, yeah. Facts. You know, I you, mean, depending on the nation that you're referring to. 
Do you ever hear about how they ha- uh, had to change uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man because of um, 9-11? Yeah. yeah. Not only did I hear about it, I remember. Because I'm old. Ah, well, I remember also because, yeah. <laughs> but still. Yeah, they had to, they had to uh, digitally remove the uh, Twin Towers. Well, no, there was, there was, there's a few there was, things like that. There was a big plot point where he spun, wow, a gi- yeah, he, mm. spun a giant web between the two towers. And blocked it, stopped a plane from crashing. <laughs> Shall I talk a little bit about the cast? There's not a huge amount to say Do about, about these cast members, thankfully. So Martin Lawrence is Jamal Walker slash Jamal Skywalker. It's good, isn't it? It was, yeah. I thought that was a reference to Star uh, to to Star Wars when I watched the trailer a million years ago, but now I think it's just his like high school basketball nickname, which Skywalker. Skywalker. Yeah, I originally the first time I because I remember seeing no. trailers for this years and years ago, and I thought it was because he was in the olden days and he was like, uh, yeah, I'll use Skywalker as a name. But now, after having seen the film, my interpretation was that. That was his high school nickname from basketball because when he says Skywalker, he doesn't think he's in the past at that point. Oh, fair enough. There's some logic to Maybe, that. Maybe, yeah, I know. I, this is completely <laughs> unimportant, but it's just like, it's one of the reasons, or it's something that's you stuck love in it. my mind, even from advertising that's stuck in my mind. I was like, <laughs> oh, he's in the olden days, so he's like, uh, he's referencing Luke Skywalker. But yeah. I mean, maybe his basketball nickname is referencing that, but here we go. Listen, I know no one has thought about this in this level of depth. Lawrence was born Why? in Frankfurt, West Germany. His dad was in the military, later becoming a DC cop. Lawrence started stand-up in 1987, age 22. He made it to the final of Star Search. Later, he started getting bit parts in films. He was in Do the Right Thing. He hosted Deaf Comedy Jam before getting a sitcom Martin that ran from 1992 to 1997 on Fox. Uh, in 1995, he did the first Bad Boys. He had a string of hits, Nothing to Lose, uh, Life, Blue Streak, and Big Mama's House. Big Mama's House, I think we've referenced before because it fed into Dave Chappelle's theory that Hollywood just wants to emasculate black men by putting them in dresses. He yes, that's right. Uh, it, there was no dress in this. No. And actually, was there anything there where he was really... Not even a toga. Emasculated? No. No, no, not in this one. So in Black Knight, he managed to escape that. I do think there is... Uh, yeah, you know, I do I kind of agree with Dave Chappelle's theory a little bit. Yeah. There's there's there were certainly elements of that. It bears then. fruit, I would say, yes. Are you calling him a fruit? Uh at his peak he was commanding ten to twenty million dollars per film. Have you seen the third Bad Boys film? Yes. Bad Boys for Life. That grossed four hundred and twenty six point five million. Yeah, I did watch from, it. Go on, sorry. From uh four hundred and twenty six point five million from a ninety million budget. I did watch it. It's a fucking weird movie. I mean, it's fun. It's slightly too long. There's a final shootout that, I don't know, have you ever seen anything like this? But the film seems to think that the final shootout is way cooler than it is. Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? But, I don't know. They try to do a revision, like, of the way the characters were. And, you know, I mean, they look hard at Mike Lowry's womanizing ways as an old fella of 50. Whatever. Yeah, I just... I felt like it would be sad to watch. It is a little sad. They're old men. Yes. Martin Lawrence has had a few run-ins with the law that were uh, well-publicized at the time. The most famous of Lawrence's mental health incidents was back on uh, the May the 8th, 1996. He became increasingly erratic and was arrested after he brandished a pistol in the middle of an intersection on Ventura Boulevard in Los Angeles, screaming, they're trying to kill me. 
Yeah. He was again hospitalized with his public relations agent citing exhaustion and dehydration as the reasons for this episode. On July 29th, 1996, he tried to take a 9mm gun onto a plane and received Jesus two Christ. years probation and a fine. It was, that was fine in 96. <laughs> you could go and like slap the pilot on the back of the head wherever you wanted. Uh, it's just so unimaginable now. But then also, as we were saying before, like I just feel like Martin Lawrence must have just been absorbing. I can't even imagine the level of shit that he was having to swallow during this time period when he was like in Bad Boys, starring in Martin. Yeah, around that time, like the insanity that he must have lived. And also, if I might, like, <laughs> if I might take the mo- a moment to speak to the black experience a little, but I mean, I suppose yes, you should. You, I think you should. I think you're justified. I will. That. Yes. I'm Irish after all. Um, that's right. The blacks you know, of Europe. That's correct. <laughs> is that what they say? That's correct. Is, yes. that, is that an okay thing to say? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't me. And so. you're the you're like you're the you're not even a black guy of Scotland. You're a white guy of Scotland. Edinburgh are the white guys of Scotland. Yeah, I'm uh, very much a bad a baddie a baddie of sort of middling <laughs> middling, but then I'm a baddie of the middling people. Well, everything about male black culture in the '90s was just get all the fucking money you can and do it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I don't... Somebody like Martin Lawrence probably, I mean, didn't give himself much time for pause either. I doubt he has any many regrets. Well, maybe he does have regrets, because, yeah, like you said, he clearly had to eat a whole lot of shit. Like, I think it's on Inside the Actor's Studio that Dave Chappelle talks specifically about that. Yeah, yeah. I remember and, that. Yeah, I remember that interview, the yeah, Inside the Actor's Studio with Chappelle very well. That's where he talks a lot about his uh, going to Africa episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Chris Tucker had one like that as well, where he just said, mm, fuck yeah, this. Yeah, Tucker had a breakdown, yeah. Fuck this, I'm out. When they're throwing 20 million checks at you, how are you going to say no, you know? Well, I'm glad that you commented on the black experience. Uh, I did not. Yes, but I did. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Nice. I, yes, you next are welcome. In the cast is, <laughs> next in the cast is Marsha Thomason as Victoria the Chambermaid and Nicole, apparently. She was two people. Yeah. She had two names. There you nice. go. I, did. I couldn't, have t- couldn't have told you either of the character names. <laughs> I would have said she's the English one. She's from Manchester. Manchester. I can't do the, I tried to do the accent. I want to uh, imitate her talking to Martin Lawrence offset. There was there, someone again, from Manchester uh, in this. Yeah, the, the lady, the love interest lady. She's English. She's from Manchester. I didn't get that. Again, in the outtakes, there's a there's a scene where she uh, corpses and breaks, and she's like, <laughs> she goes full full. She goes full mank when she's when she breaks character. There's also the scene from her speaking at the end where yeah. she's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm from Los Angeles. Hey, I would love to go to uh, have a dinner with you." God, I hated that so much. <laughs> I, I, well, we'll get we'll get to the very end when we get to it. But I'm sure you loved the CGI of him running away from lions against a green screen. <laughs> uh. I'm uh, I'm on board. I loved it. Uh, unfortunately, Marcia Thompson hasn't really gone on to have a great career, at least not in film. But uh, she did play Naomi in Lost, and she's carved out a career in TV as a as a steadily working actress. So good honor. Yes, an Australian there. Next up is Tom Wilkinson as Sir Nolte of Marlborough. In the same year as Black Knight, Wilkinson was Oscar nominated for In the Bedroom. I wonder which film he looks upon more favorably. <laughs> it's hard to say. 
I enjoy Wilkinson in it because he's clearly a good actor and he's probably giving 20% effort here and he's better than everybody else. <laughs> I wonder how much he got paid. Pro- 21 million. 21 pounds, probably. <laughs> like <laughs> fucking nothing. And they make him put on the sh- the sneakers and oh, Jesus. But then he's able to fight better because he's wearing... Like that is Air true. Who would have thought it? I mean, if only we all wore Air Jordans. That's what I say. He has a. He also has an Academy Award nomination for Michael Clayton. It's a good honor. Does he? It's. A, it's a, yeah. I, that's surprising to me. I. I like Michael Clayton. It's I love film. Michael Clayton. Don't, I. I don't remember Tom Wilkinson in it. He goes crazy. He's. It's. He's. Um. He's George Clooney's. He's Michael Clayton's like old mentor, and he's a lawyer, uh, and he's losing I remember, his I remember Tilda Swinton. I remember Clooney. I don't remember anyone else. Yeah, you ju- you mostly see Wilkinson in a video that somebody else made, like yeah. having a breakdown. A la I feel Martin like Tom. Lawrence. I feel like uh, Tom Wilkinson, much like Mark Addy, started getting cast in films like Black Knight off of the back of the Full Monty. Because around this time, Mark Addy was in that Chris Rock film I was talking about, Down to Earth, mm. one of the many Chris Rock films, which is a remake of uh, Heaven, Heaven Can Wait, which you referenced earlier. Indeed. And, uh, yeah, I just feel like they were bringing a lot of these sort of English actors over to Hollywood who had proven themselves in like a very popular British comedy. And then they were like, ah, we'll get these Shakespearean type boys and just whack them into into any big studio comedy of the time. Good old yeah. Tony Wilkinson. Was it any favorite Wilkinson performances? Carmine I mean, Falcone in Batman Begins. <laughs> well, I do actually he's think... He, in Rush Hour. I do actually think he's very good and memorable in uh, Michael Clayton, to be honest. I really enjoy him in Michael Clayton. I still remember that. I I'm remember him to... in The Patriot, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I'm try- oh, he's a creep in Eternal Sunshine, isn't he? He's like uh, has repeatedly had the same affair with um, Kirsten Dunstan's character over and over and over again. Um, I'm trying to think now what I might have uh, seen him in and enjoyed. Uh, um, no, nothing coming. I do remember him in Eternal Sunshine, Batman Begins. Apparently, he's in in the name of the Father, which I can't think of him. Oh, he's very good as Benjamin Franklin in uh, John Adams. Actually, I remember him in that. I was uh, I was reading up on that today because. Uh... I had never seen anything of it. And then I started looking back through some HBO it's really good. series is, 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 with uh, old Paul Giamatti, yeah. John Adams. I'm a big mm. fan of that. I recommend giving it a, a watch. I think it's great. I would, I would consider it. The last cast member I wanted to mention was our old friend Daryl Mitchell, who played Steve, Martin Lawrence's character's best friend or work colleague. I don't know if it's best friend. Work friend. Work friend, yeah. What do I Remember know him Darryl from? Daryl Mitchell. No. Galaxy Quest. Oh, yeah. Paralyzed in a motorbike crash 10 days before the premiere of uh, Black Knight. This was and... his last, sorry, big thing. Oh, wow. Poor old fella. He was in House Party 1 and 2 and a thin line between love and hate with uh, Martin Lawrence. I agree. Boys. There is a thin line between love and hate when it comes to House Party 1 and 2. They're all Stone Cold classics, and I think no one could disagree. Amen. And yes, well done in your wordplay, but... <laughs> for old Daryl Mitchell because he, he could have could have gone on to become one of the greats yes could have worn a dress with the best of them <laughs> exactly as the, the pinnacle of being a, <laughs> a black actor in Hollywood yes so the plot of this there's quite a lot of paragraphs here so maybe instead of actually reading through it we can just summarize it we can banter our way through <laughs> yeah yes I don't want to read all this shit banter plot Mar- 
Martin Lawrence, the film opens him with him driving around <laughs> the streets of South Central and making a real point of him is like No, like, it doesn't. He, it he opens is a with boy. him It opens with him. He's a uh, boy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Preparing He's himself, himself up in, the, in mirror. the mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pulling nose hairs. Listen, you're a man in your thirties. <laughs> I used to be a man in my thirties. I know how that goes, pulling out nose hairs and then going like eh. I remember. And I certainly, I tried to go way over the top when I did it to myself. <laughs> I remember very specifically thinking, oh, "I fucking hate this," and I, I know I brought this to the table, but god damn, I hated it from moment one. I, I certainly act at all times like I'm being paid twenty million dollars when I do things when I'm like doing self care, my self care ritual. Yes. All right, so after he's done himself up, uh, he's driving around the streets of South Central. He's from the he's from Normandy and Florence. I actually went to Google Maps to check out Normandy and Florence to see what it looks like. I would say it's not as gentrified as I expected it to be now. It still looks not rough, rough, but I feel like in like ninth in two thousand and one, I get the sense that it was like not the best place in the world to be. It mm. still doesn't look great. I mean, it's it's like South Central Los Angeles. There's not much there. So yeah, they're making a point of him of like he is a he's a boy. He's street. He's street. He knows his way around the streets. He but he works at this uh theme park. Like a big sort of castle y theme park. What exactly is it? I don't know. Just a, is it like a it looks like a pretty rundown, sort of shitty old timey theme park. But the manager, she provides a lot of jobs for the neighborhood. Yeah. And Martin Lawrence's general thesis is, bitch, get out and get all the money you can, ho. And she's just going on about how she's disappointed. She's like, I expected so much from you. <laughs> and as an audience, you're like, what? Why? What yeah. is your interaction beyond? You gave him a job. He's advising you to leave and to go down to Florida and enjoy your life. And you're like, but I expected more of you. That, like, that re- reminded me of like, I mean, the year I spent working in a cinema... And, like, if one of my supervisors there said to me, like, uh, Donica, I expected more from you, I would have to say to them, dude, I arrive in visibly stoned every day. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, 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 like, this is this kind of job. I'm here for a year and then I leave, right? You were just in the back room watching men in black who like to have sex with each other. I, didn't, I wasn't looking, though. <laughs> yeah, sure. You put it on every <laughs> no. day and then turned away from the screen and covered your eyes. I wasn't looking. <laughs> so, while Martin Lawrence... Uh, his character's name is Martin Lawrence, as I think we can both agree. So he will be referred to as Martin Lawrence. Right? <laughs> as, what are you talking? as Martin, <laughs> he's Jamal Neighbors. <laughs> Jamal Skywalker. Yeah, yeah Jamal Jam- Neighbors. That's correct. He's <laughs> where Martin Lawrence is. Uh, is reaching. He sees a. He's looking at the disgusting, putrid moat full of shite. Yes, and uh, he notices there's a nice, sparkly piece of jewelry. So he reaches down to get it, and then he slides, he slides, he, he, wait, wait, in the parlance of the times, he sees some bling bling. Yes. I'm from Edinburgh, it's fine. And uh, he reaches down to get it, and then he slides off into the oldie times world, into, in the olden days. Yep. And initially, he thinks he's a... He runs up to Wilkinson. Yeah, he, he, Naughty, his name is Naughty, which is a terrible name for the character. Naughty? Oh, well, they keep saying naughty, like you're a naughty boy. I think that's just a pronunciation. It's like naughty, naughty. Uh, it's K-N-O-L-T-E. Like fair enough. Nick, Nick Nolte, but with a K on the front. Nice. Knolte. Knolte. So Martin Lawrence runs into 
Mar- uh, runs into Tom Wilkinson, who's a big a big drunken bum. He gives him some money, gives him a couple of dollars, which uh, Tom Wilkinson then burns. He's like, oh, that's good. I'll take that money. I'll use it as fuel for my fire. And then Martin Lawrence makes his way off to the castle, and he thinks he's he thinks he's run into the sort of uh, neighboring theme park, like high level historical oldie times theme park that is is going to put his the one he works for out of business. And so he's walking around going like, "Wow, they're yeah, yeah. These guys are all method. They've spent Real so horses. much money on this, and everyone just refers to him as Moore." In yes. a way, and he recognizes that as well as they're like, that's basically their N word. Yeah. And he, so he's getting called Moore a lot. And then he says he's from Normandy, Normandy and Florence. And they go like, oh, you're French. You're the guy that we've been waiting for. Oh, yeah, because he's from Normandy. And then they let him in. They're like, you need, to see, you need to see the king immediately. So he goes and sees the king. And then. There's like at least a half hour section here where not really much happens. <laughs> How would you define what happens here? The king's uh, daughter wants to shag him. There's a lot of plot going on um, mm. because... But, uh, plot, but the plot that doesn't matter because it's not really about that. Yeah, I don't know what it is about, but it's you, not about this. Like, man, it's like, okay, right. I, I'm not a big fan of the film Anchorman 2. However, I have much more respect. And I, do, and I do feel like... That, like you know, okay, fair enough. The way people made comedy films evolved, and if the like with Dirty Work, if this had been made a few uh, a few years later, a lot of the things that bugged me about it wouldn't have been there. But it's just like a film like Anchorman Two, which I don't really, I don't like Anchorman Two, but it kind of knows what it is. It's like here's our setup, and we're just gonna have all these fucking bits of comedy and see if you like them. They, that they could have done here. Instead, you got this weird subplot where uh, the lady wants to kill the king, and so do two of the boys. Yeah, we're supposed to be invested in overthrowing the king to return the queen to power, but you just have to take their word for it. Oh, you've just reminded me of a thing that was supposed to be funny later in the film that I fucking hated, but we'll get to it. I hated so much in this. I mean, it feels it feels like hating a dead dog with no legs. So I don't know why I'm hating on it so well, much. Mo- so most of this section of the film is just Martin Lawrence kind of joking around he's trying to get on a horse a jester. yeah not being able to ride a horse and that kind of thing jesus they're and really actually eventually the f- winning people over the film makes a meta comment on itself at that point because the king says uh, oh my god it's not even funny anymore but they're still doing the joke <laughs> yeah meta so it's it's all of this he's like uh he's talking to that to that young lady his love interest at the same time, the king's daughter is trying to shag him. He does. They do the big dance scene where he kind of uh, teaches them how to be, <laughs> how to dance. He te- he 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 teaches them how to have soul. Yes, indeed. It's, it's very nice. Isn't that a nice little learning experience for everyone? I will say this: Jeanette Weger, who plays uh, the princess, <laughs> yeah, that's, an, that's an unfortunate name. It is. Yeah, she's kind of hot though. She is. I think uh, fair play to her. That's Good honor. Uh, I'm going to see what she's doing now. Not very much. That's why she didn't make it into the cast list. Yeah, she didn't have a Wikipedia the, the profile. Discussion, okay, fair is, enough. Which is bad news. She was in Dawson's Creek one episode. I <laughs> think not much else. What else? So like, then what happens later on is the, the real Norman messenger arrives and Jamal oh, yeah. is exposed as a, a fraud. Gets kicked out of the, time, the that's, castle. That's when he shag he shags the princess, and he gets thrown into the dungeon. 
Yeah, with the other and two in the boys. Dungeon, he, yeah, the two failed assassins who he accidentally thwarted, and they tell him the tale of the Black Knight, who is uh, the bravest knight and who can breathe fire, etc., etc. So then they're brought out to be executed. Uh, Martin Lawrence and these two boys are going to get executed. But then he manages, Martin Lawrence manages to convince everyone that he's some kind of sorcerer. Yes, that's right. Did this bother you? <laughs> the executioner's choking on an apple, and then he gives him the uh, no! Heimlich maneuver. Do you know what? That was such an incredibly stupid script maneuver that I found that amusing. I was just like, that's, that's your thing. That's going to be your thing. He's choking, and they think it's a curse. The, thing, the stuff with the lighter did annoy me, though. Yes. <laughs> he just has a lighter still in his pocket. That's useful. Yeah, he does it. That actually got that got cut from the UK version. Him using the lighter and the spray can. Oh, why? Because uh, it would encourage asbos. Yeah, back when that wasn't a thing. Back when that was just well, I mean, I used to do that when I was a, a, a young teen. I still do it. It's lots of fun. My baby loves well, it. It's, it's dangerous. It's careful because we were always told the flame will go back into the can and then it'll take your arm off, and that's facts. That's science. I actually got told that by a swan that was breaking my arm. Yeah, nice. So then, uh, so Nolte fires well, some I actually, flaming I, arrows. I actually don't know if it was a swan because I had gone blind from masturbating at the time. It's very good. So Nolte <laughs> fires some flaming arrows from outside the castle. It's not and, great. Uh, Martin Lawrence <laughs> escapes. Yes, we're happy about that, and, yes. Uh, Nolte, Nolte takes him away and uh, he gets reunited with the queen. Or he meets the queen, let's say. Yes. Oh, this is the bit. But wait, actually, prior to that, what happens is, so Nolte rescues him, but then Nolte, for some reason, goes away and gets drunk. Yes. And then Martin Lawrence kind of gets, sort of rescues Nolte from that and does his whole rope-a-dope boxing thing. Yes. I'm sure you love those parts. Yes, oh, I love it. Fun. Those were you good. I love those. I could see that you would enjoy that. Yeah. And then, of course, Nolte like le- is learning all of this and taking it on board, so that he oh, can... I see the rope dupe. I will use the rope dupe later. Is the rope-a-dope. Yeah, in a fight. And, uh, this the man who was Oscar nominated for in the bedroom in the same year has to put on Air Jordans. Eventually. Do you know what would be would have been a good joke in it if, um, like, genuinely writing back in time to the people who made Black Knight, uh, what they could do is tom wilkinson is doing all the like the 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 stuff he picks up from martin lawrence and then just in the middle of it he like just sort like he just drops the n-word like with no hard or you know like a black guy and then martin lawrence is just like whoa man that's that's not okay yeah that 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 would work but i don't know if that fit yeah that would be funnier than anything that's kind of going on here but we a good gag wouldn't it yeah anyway so while martin lawrence and tom wilkinson are fighting this bunch of guys at the same time the the all the sort of rebel people who were out there get smashed by percival who's yes. uh, the king's right hand man they, they all he, they do in this big group of people and it's revealed that one of them who's still alive in the remaining band is the queen yes she's the queen and she wants to get uh, restored to the throne and so she makes a uh, uh, a rousing speech. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed her speech. I don't know how you felt about it, but she she's like, I'm gonna make a speech to 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 win it, win hearts and minds, and she just goes, England. I was like, weird. <laughs> Did that I, bother you? Oh, it bothered me so much. That's that probably <laughs> I, I liked it. <laughs> that probably bothered me more than anything. But hold on, like. Uh. 
you probably quite liked it. You weren't laughing with the filmmakers if that like that was just like I've never s- seen running out of ideas quite like that. You think so? I just oh thought it was God. a joke of like you expect her to be good. You expect her to be able to to speak well, but then she's awful. I don't know. I think it's, it's not groundbreaking stuff, but it no. made me laugh. What about the next scenes where they're doing all the training and oh, they're doing like America, American football? They're teaching them American football tactics and things like that. And You've pro got wrestling of, stuff. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, yeah. He's pinning people. He's doing like the red 48. <laughs> and then you know they're going to use it. Like they're going to yeah, use yeah, it yeah. In, the, in the fight later on. Chekhov's uh, American football tactics. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chekhov's sneakers. Che- yeah, all the che- Chekhov's a lot of stuff. Chekhov's, Chekhov's black like, slang. Yeah, yeah, Chekhov's 90s black references. <laughs> get you get wheeled out later on. So then they basically they go to the they go to the storm the castle and fucking the king throw Percival throws the king into the moat and Percival's the big baddie. Marin Lawrence turns up as the Black Knight. He's breathing fire. He's somehow able to ride a horse now. But then as everyone is shitting their pants, he smacks into like a big wooden post and then his helmet comes off and Percival's like, it's Martin Lawrence off of Martin, off of the Fox sitcom Martin that ran for five seasons. You see, if that had been, if a tone had been built up that it was consistent with that gag, I would have been cool with it because it quite reminds me of um, just that little thing of him coming in as the Black Knight and immediately fucking up. It's quite like Big Trouble in Little China, I felt. I haven't seen that in so long. Ah, it's so good. Since I, I was love, a kid. Love that movie. So there's a bunch of fighting. Nolte gets shot by an arrow from Percival. Percival takes uh, the Lady Victoria hostage and has a knife to her throat and then slashes the side of her neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does actually cut her neck, which is a bit weird. And then Nolte... Uh, it turns out Nolte's alive and fires uh, his arrow, fires his bow and arrow, and then kills Percival. And then the rebels win. The queen is restored. And uh, at all at the end, uh, Martin Lawrence is kind of, he's doing okay. He's together with that lady. Yeah, he meets her. First of all, he's like, he's all right, they're together in the olden days. And then he says he needs to go back to his world. So he goes back to the the world, and then he talks. It turns out he was he'd been underwater for ten minutes, which is not advisable. Don't try that at home. And then he's being shocked back to life. And then when he comes back to life, he's realized he said his character has changed. He's learned an important lesson, and he tells his boss, "No, don't go to Florida and enjoy your life. Yeah, stay here and Throw be a pillar more of money the community. Into this <laughs> fucking sinkhole, this piece of shit medieval yeah. world." And then, later on, as he sees this young boy playing baseball in a batting cage, because this is weeks later, and they've turned it all around, and now Medieval World looks good. He sees a boy playing baseball in a batting cage, and then he sees (laughs) a character who I assume was supposed to be his mother and not his sister. Bearing in mind, the actress is like 24 at the time. What is the relation supposed to be? And I'm sure you've thought about this a lot in the intervening time <laughs> since you watched this a couple of hours ago. What do you presume the relationship is supposed to be between the girl Nicole that he meets at the end and the boy in the batting cage who's clearly like, I th- related to her? I think that's probably his bird. You reckon? Well, he's yeah, doing I right think so. Himself, that he is, boy. yeah, he's not doing bad. 
Um, I, I like that uh, the little boy is a bit timid with the bat. And then Martin Lawrence says to him, hey, don't be afraid. And then he, he hits it perfectly. I like that. There's also another outtake from that where a different boy is playing baseball and then, like, I think misses the ball and Martin Lawrence comes in, like, throws the gate open and comes into the cage and goes, what are you doing? <laughs> like that. And then the guy, everyone starts laughing and he's, then Martin Lawrence goes, I'm sorry. And then it takes off. It's actually all right. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you, Martin Lawrence was having fun. They're having fun in games the whole time. But anyway, either that's he, she's the guy, the boy's sister, or she had a child when she was ten. One of those two things is true. I just think it's a, dis- <laughs> a disturbing <laughs> thing to consider, <laughs> one way or another. I mean, maybe she's br- maybe she's Brenda from uh, the Tupac song. Brenda's got a baby, although Brenda dies no, in that she, song. Brenda does have a baby, and so yeah. does the baby. This is alternate uh, alternate universe, Brenda. So Jamal uh, doesn't get her number. And when he tries to catch up to her, he accidentally falls back into the moat, waking up in the Colosseum of ancient Rome. Oh, no. Where he's about to be devoured by lions. But you'll get to see him in Black Knight 2, the blackening. Black Centurion. Yeah. There you go, Black Centurion. Hey, start writing this right now. Hell yeah. We could get Martin Lawrence. I've got $20 million lying around somewhere. Let's watch it. Let's, say, let's write it. Let's direct I'd say, it. Do you know what? I'd say we could probably get Martin Lawrence for 15 these days. Save five of that. And if you save five of it, hopefully we can maybe get uh, Tom Wilkinson also. What about like, but this for real, like this idea, like a black, a black centurion film, but he's been trapped in that universe for 20 years. <laughs> And it's just 20 years later. Yeah, yeah, he didn't get same, to go back. Character, yeah, and the character is just like, has been living in a, a kind of horrible squalor for 20 no, years. And no, it's no, like no, no, no. a really depressing tale. No, he's like, he's begun to like figure stuff out. He's more like an Oliver Reed character from Gladiator. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's just, he fills into, he falls into the time period. And like, that like, so he's, he's fully part. And then someone else gets sent back in time. Like he, th- he, thinks of something like mind-numbingly mundane from the modern age and just manages to like cook up his own version <laughs> of it and sell it. Well, there's that scene in, in, uh, in, in this film where he's like selling fast food. Yes. He's uh, like, it's, it's called Jamal in the box. Yes, I like that. You can ride your horse through. Oh, you're a fan of that. I liked, I liked that part, yeah. I liked, I liked when he referenced, uh, I liked when he referenced Tiger Woods Rodney King, Al Sharpton, Shaq, Kobe. <laughs> yeah. All the classics. All the classics, yeah. All the classics. That's how you, it's just to make sure that the film is trapped in its era. <laughs> Can't escape. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let this thing out. <laughs> it's, it belongs in 2001. <laughs> yeah, we had no business taking this out of uh, 2001. Let's put it no, back no. there Let's forever. This thing... This thing belongs in a museum. <laughs> or a fire. Yes, indeed. I mean, the amount of like fa- j- famous George Melier films, that the print of which were, were lost forever. Abel Gans's Napoleon was only rediscovered in the 60s, having been lost for many, many years. But now, in the digital age, it's impossible we'll ever lose Black Knight. Black Knight is, I think they've thrown it into the fire multiple times and it just bounces right out untouched. Hell Hell yeah. Are we going to get classier for next week? I feel like you might. 
but I won't. No, well, actually, I think neither of us has chosen any either <laughs> anything particularly classy. I've chosen, I mean, I don't know how classy you could consider it, the flagship film for something called the New French Extremity Film Movement. I mean, so I've chosen 2008's uh, French-Canadian psychological horror Martyrs. Oh, Martyrs. Yeah, I, I wanna, I've been wanting to see this for a long while, so here's hoping. Okay, well, I decided to choose everyone's favorite, likable, easygoing film that you can just watch as a pick-me-up. Everyone recommends watching this when you're feeling down. I don't feel down, but I want to watch John Favreau's Chef, Chef from 2014, the prequel to Boiling Point. Yes, I've, se- I've seen Chef and I'm, I'm a big fan of his Netflix show, so uh, maybe I could do oh, with yeah. watching that That's again. A show of it as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not a sh- it's a cooking show with John Favreau. It's lots of fun. Although I mean, it's also called Chef. Is it called something else? It's called Chef. Yeah, yeah. But it it has to be noted. I mean, John Favreau has ballooned since making the film Chef. He's you know he is yes he is very successful. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Well, by the looks of Tamara Morrison, he's definitely doing the catering on the Book of Boba Fett. I'll tell you. Hey, 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 hey. You're all right. You're all right. Okay. What am I? What are my options? Tamara, like he's a lady. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> One side appears to be, I don't know what it is exactly. It says Espana on it, and it's got like, looks like a, oh, no, it's uh, Cervantes. <laughs> I thought it was a f- piece of fruit. It kind of was. And the other side's 20. So it's it's f- <laughs> Cervantes fruit or 20. Give me Cervantes fruit. Congratulations. It's Cervantes fruit. <laughs> Yes! All right, all right, all right. I'm very happy with that, to be honest, because I we got some. I got a nice companion pick, but tell me, please reveal what I could have won. What you could have won would have been um something like super highbrow. I was going to go with 1987 Danish drama film Babette's Feast, which is also about oh, cooking. God. Thank God. All right. Yeah, I, I agree. That. I agree. So, to uh, partner with Martyrs, I uh, I decided to go for Julia Ducournau's uh, film from last year, Titan. Oh, excellent! Oh, very good. Or Titanium. Yeah, that's all. This is also considered part of the French extremity movement. This film. Nice, and her, it's her follow-up to Raw. Yes, have you seen Eddie Raw? Murphy. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a controversial start. I remember. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know for that. Is that is it raw the one where he says no no words no 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 that's delirious. Is that the other one? Delirious. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Either way. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> raw is very good. I might try and rewatch that uh this week. It's about but... like vampires or something. Cannibals. Or cannibals, cannibals, same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly the same thing. I might try and rewatch Raw, but I will definitely watch Martyrs and I will definitely watch Titane and we will talk again in two weeks. In the meantime, I've been struck down with uh, COVID-19, uh, so I can't leave my house currently. So, uh, oh no, I can't go to the cinema to see Moonfall. But we'll figure out something nice and current to talk about for next week's podcast. Might even be a TV I show. I think, you know, yeah, that we should talk about Reacher. Hell yeah, I'm up for it. All right, cool beans. Okay, well, in that case, that means I'll be ta- watching Reacher while taking notes. And then I'll be able to r- write a big fanboyish uh, bit of essay for for that's that, good, for next I, week. I haven't read any of the books. I'm not a Lee Childs molester like you, so I would come at it just as a TV watcher and someone who's watched both of the films. 
All right, well, sure, we can catch up with that kind of crack next week. Uh, until then, well, there's nothing to say except um, I love you. I love you too. All right. It's because I couldn't think of anything Martin Lawrence says in uh, Black Tiger Knight. Tiger Woods, y'all. Tiger Woods, y'all. Uh, that's <laughs> Tiger the ro- Woods, y'all, to you two. That's the rope-a-dope, y'all. Wait, wait, no, I think we, we, we got from dirty work. What you talking? What you talking about? What you talking about, Satan? You never heard of that? Ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. 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 That'll do.